Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. You probably already know this, but protests began erupting across Iran in late September following the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who was arrested in Tehran by morality police. This is a specific unit in Iran that enforces strict dress codes for women, including wearing the compulsory headscarf. Now, Amini was was visiting Tehran with her family. She was arrested for not wearing her headscarf, and she died in a hospital three days later. Her brother reports that she was taken to a re-education center for not abiding by the state's hijab rules and was beaten there. The state police say Amini died from a heart attack, but her family insists she had no heart issues and was beaten to death by the police. So massive demonstrations began at her funeral, and they continue to sweep across the country now five weeks later. Thousands of Iranians have taken to the streets as well as university campuses. You've maybe seen videos online of protests that have emerged from the capital of Tehran, but also smaller and more traditionally conservative towns and regions throughout the whole country. Online videos show protesters chanting, women, life, freedom. Protesters are seen setting fires, fighting with police, and removing and burning their headscarves. Some posters are some protesters are seen destroying posters of the country's supreme leader and shouting death to the dictator. Commercial strikes have been going on for the past week or so, including workers at oil refineries refusing to work. Now, the government in Iran has responded to all of this with a brutal crackdown, arresting activists and protest organizers, reprimanding Iranian celebrities for voicing their support, even confiscating their passports, and using live ammunition, tear gas, and sound bombs to disperse crowds. Human rights monitors have reported that hundreds have died, including children, as the movement now has entered its fifth week. As of a few days ago, the count is up to at least 233 Iranians dead, with 32 of those below the age of 18. There have been widespread internet outages that have made it difficult for protesters to communicate with one another as well as with the outside world, and Iranian authorities have detained at least 40 journalists since the unrest began. So I wanted to take a deeper look at what is happening right now in Iran, and in order to do that, I've invited my friend Lori Nieberg onto today's episode of All Things. Lori lives in France, and she has spent about 10 years of her life um, serving the Iranian church in different cities and different capacities around the world. Lori also grew up worshiping in a church with connections to the Iranian church, so she has been praying for the Iranian church and for Persian Christians her whole life. Lori, I'm so grateful to you for joining me today on this podcast from the other side of the world. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Jen. So before we dive in, can you just tell us a little bit more about your life and work, how you've come to know and love so many Iranians and Iranian women in particular? Um, Growing up, uh, the pastor of my church had in his childhood, grown up in Iran as a missionary kid, he had married an American missionary kid who also had grown up in Iran. They were in the States, studied, went back um, to Iran and were part of the international church there and then were forced to leave during the revolution. Um, he came on as a church of a pastor of an American church um, in the D.C. area and would just find Iranians there who were fleeing Iran 
Um, so in the line at Dunkin' Donuts or the gas station or wherever and start speaking with them. And before you knew it, our pastor had also started a small fellowship that started in his home and then went to the church. And um, there's an Iranian church meeting in our church. So, so getting to hear his own stories from growing up in Iran and praying for the country, getting his friends who had been missionaries in Iran come through and share stories of the history of the church in Iran. Um, just, yeah, learning, learning from folks who had walked there and, and been with the people and, and learning really from their love of Iranians in Iran, um, God's eyes and heart for these people and to get to walk in their footsteps. You said his family was forced to leave during the revolution. For listeners who might not know what that means, can you just give us a couple sentences of what and when? Um, yeah, I know that's a huge question. So you can keep it pretty superficial, but you know, when was the revolution and what did that mean? Why did missionaries have to leave? Okay, well, um, one thing I was going to recommend for your listeners is um, as Americans, I think it's very helpful for us to go back and look at America's history with Iran, which really dates back, well, longer, but like starting in the 50s, um, they had close to a democracy and it was America that um, disrupted that. In the late 70s, there was a revolution in Iran. They, um, you guys have, I'm sure, heard of when there were hostages in the, from the American embassy that were held hostages and the whole Republic of Iran was was really changed overnight. Um, so all Americans had to leave. The pictures that come out of Iran from before 1979, you see women dressed like how they were dressed in Paris at the same time. Mm-hmm. And women were in all walks of life. They still are, but there was not the compulsory hijab there were skirts where legs were showing. Um, Just there was, there was so much freedom. Mm -hmm. Then this revolution happened. The tides really changed for the country. Um, And it was 1979 and then kind of phased in after the revolution, the compulsory hijab. Um, But parts of it were put in immediately afterwards. Um, but really all of society has been impacted and changed um, from before 1979 to, to afterwards. Yeah. So what a, that's so striking. I mean, I was born in 1978. My parents were obviously <laughs> yep, alive well before then. So it's just, it's amazing to think of life as an Iranian woman, our age or our mother's age, um, having gone from tremendous freedom, almost democracy, in the 1950s, but then this revolution that happened in the 1970s where women, um, were, you know, participated in all walks of life, as you said, um, and then have been really restricted and limited since then. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty mind, it's mind boggling, but well, let's fast forward to today. Let's, let's maybe start with right now and and (laughs) potentially move backwards a little bit. Um, can you help us wrap our heads around what is going on right now in Iran? Why was it such a huge deal that this young woman, Masa Amini, was not wearing her headscarf? And is it tip was it typical? Is it typical for the morality police to take this kind of action against a woman not wearing her headscarf? Is there a pattern of this kind of abuse in Iran or was this a unique situation? From my understanding, this is 
this is a pretty typical re- response. Um, from what I understand, Masa Amini, this Kurdish woman visiting from out of town, that her her scarf was on, but not fully covering all of her hair. Then the morality police are given authority to enforce um, when people are not following the morality code. And for for women, it's their their hair cannot show, and their hand their so their face can can show and their hands can show and that's it to my knowledge um so so people are stopped they're fined they're taken to a re-education center sometimes um I have friends who've been stopped but their parents just paid a bribe or a fine and that was the end of that but this time they took her in and um unfortunately didn't come out why are we seeing the nationwide response to this? Um, I would say it. we should be clear that it's not, this isn't a protest of the hijab. This isn't a protest of the morality, the imposed morality. Um, this is a protest against the regime. Um, and that after after this much time and and how it's evolved over the years that people are just done um, so as we're we're seeing, um, yes, there there are women taking off their hijabs, burning them, but there's men protesting, there's kids protesting. Um, one thing that was really interesting, musician in Iran who who made a song uh, based on tweets that Iranians had posted of why they were protesting. Um, so right after she was killed, and. And so this is in Farsi with, with the tweets. And actually, I can send you a link and you can share that to your listeners um, with English subtitles. But but it's like so that we can walk on the streets, so we can kiss in public, so we can dance, so that we're not worried if our daughters will come back. But it's just one sentence after another after another of like, this is why we are protesting. Um, sadly, that musician, the, the song was ripped off the internet for a bit. He was... He was taken into prison. Thankfully, he was released in the beginning um, of October. But mm-hmm. um, but now we do have this song, and and it's going viral. It's now in many languages. Um, when I went to protest here in France with my Iranian friends, that was being blasted over the speakers. It's not just the hijab anymore. It is it is we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about what the protesting looked like for you in France with your Iranian friends. What are they saying? How are they responding? I went one week with my daughters um, and showed up and met some of my Iranian friends. And one woman who has come out for in the past few years when I gave her a hug and we were crying and I told her I was praying for her family back home and, and how was she holding up? And for her, it's it's really just a re-traumatism for her. And her comment was, was, Lori, I don't know if prayer works mm. right now. Like, I wonder if God has forgotten our country. We know is not true, but we also know, like, that statement is coming um, on the stage of a lot of pain and a lot of history. Then also to get to stand with other Iranian friends, um, for them, it was, Lori, thank you for coming. Thank you for standing with our countries. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for loving us. 
Um, getting to stand with one woman as she cut her hair in the protest was just a holy privilege to get to witness um, to get to witness this with them and for them. The next week, I went with my husband and my son, and and that was more a march. It's calm. It's been calm, um, but really, um, in both of those protests that I attended. They were chanting in Kurdish, they were chanting in Farsi, and also in French, um, the Women, Life, Freedom slogan, which originally was a Kurdish slogan um, years ago and now has been co-opted and into Farsi and now um, international languages, just crying out for freedom, for freedom and for life for women and for the whole country. Um, So it's been a privilege to be there with them and to see them to see, to, to get to stand with them while they grieve and while they cry out for freedom and while they take a stand and say, we are still here and, and we matter and our country matters and to, to bear witness to that and to stand with them has been a holy privilege. Mm -hmm. Your friends who are Iranian in France, um, have they recently immigrated to France? Are we, and and do they have friends and family back home? What are they? What are their thoughts about their loved ones back home? And if you if they are sharing that with you, or um, I would just love to hear even more about just how your friends are personally processing news from across the continent for themselves. Yeah. So I have friends who have family back home in the military, back home in the government, um, back home just back home doing their jobs that they were doing before, um, kind of all across the board. And some have come recently and some not so recently. As my husband and I went to the protest, we had written a sign. One side was Farsi and one side was Kurdish with the slogan on it. Um, And we held it in the, it was too big to stick in our bags. So my husband's holding this on the tram and I was about to jokingly say, so, you know, you have to really be careful and show good manners to all the women because you don't know who understands your sign and you don't know who's watching. But before I could say that this, this woman walked up to us and said, um, who are you? And how do you know my language? And it was this Kurdish Iranian woman who we didn't know, but, had seen our sign and was just touched that she thought we were French originally, but just touched that these non-Iranians would come to this protest, that she was also on the way. So we went together and she was telling us that she's been here in France for a few years, um, but but just her story. And, and she was saying, I still bear scars from protests in the past. So, so one thing that we're seeing among our Iranian friends is they were there in protest in 2018 and 2008 or nine. Um, this isn't the first big protest that, that the world watched and thought, is this it? Um, but these people that were standing with remember prior times and prior crackdowns. And, and so for them, there's this like, do I have the courage to hope that this is it? But in the midst of all this, do I have the courage question? There's also this, but I remember last time and I remember the time before and I remember how it just got shut down again and again and again. And so um, 
what I've been really grateful for is just to be able to stand by my friends and say, my friends who who are walking with the Lord and and understanding the Bible to be able to say like one day we will celebrate mm-hmm. one day we will celebrate that your nation has been healed mm-hmm. um, that one day we will dance together and it won't always be marching together and stomping together and crying together but but one day we will celebrate and that day is sure and it will come mm. yeah it seems like the thread through all of these protests has been a a protest against a harsh government regime and then the government responding with a harsh crackdown is that is that the common thread that the Iranians want just greater freedom freedom of movement freedom of thought freedom of culture freedom of expression is that if you could distill down you know protest after protest is that what you think or is it is it is it too am i making this too simple or Iran is a lot younger than it than it used to be so quite there's a larger population percentage of the population in Iran that is 30 or below. Um, and also the economy has gotten significantly worse. Um, and apart from American sanctions. Um, but so you have this huge chunk of the population that's 30 or below, but there aren't jobs that there's not enough jobs. There's not enough jobs where they can actually support their families. And and so what, what hope do they have for themselves, for their futures, for their families? Older, older folks, what, what hope do they have for their children and their children's future? Mm. Um, so that's, yeah. that's also just fueled to the fire. Um, they want freedom, they want hope, and they want, they want to see like substance for their hope. Yes, absolutely. Um, Lori, I have what could be a really unrelated question. I'm not sure how you might answer this, but I'm so curious. So three years ago, actually this month, I did an all things podcast episode about the church in Iran. Now at the time reports were coming out that Iran had the world's fastest growing underground church. And that that was in spite of Iran being ranked the ninth worst place in the world for Christians to live because of religious violence and persecution. And the story was at the time that women in Iran were especially driving the growth of the church there. Um, Is that something that you have observed through your friends that yes, indeed, there's a fast growing underground church, largely driven by women in Iran. And if that's true, is it related in any way to these protests and movements or or not? Are those things disconnected? I'm, I'm just curious about that. If you if you can speak into it, maybe not provide any definitive answer, but can you, your observations? Iran is still the fastest growing church today. And it's it's the church in Iran that's, that's growing um, and continues to grow. So if it's significantly through the women, I, I don't know enough to speak to that, to confirm or deny that. But um, Jen, one thing I have noticed in the women, um, but the Iranian women I know walk into the room with this boldness, with this courage, with this audacity that there is a seat at the table for them. they They don't have a chip on their shoulder that they have to fight their way to the table. 
They don't have to prove to anybody else that they deserve a seat at the table. There's a seat for them at the table. Mm. And, and it's interesting because God's been highlighting women in the Bible who approach Jesus, who approach King David, who approach the people of God and Moses. And throughout the story, these women who represent this audacity that they and their children have every right to be at the table of God as anybody else. Because, because God has breathed life into them. Mm. And that's it. There's no other reason except God has breathed life into them. And so while not all the Iranian women I'm talking about are followers of Jesus, I see the same audacity in them of, of just, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that's what I see now in the protests of like, why on earth should we be silenced? This is enough. We are going to live our lives. We and our children are going to live our lives. Um, and so whether it's growing the church or just fighting for their, their families to be able to live freely, to walk on the streets, to have an economy that works, there's there's just this deep conviction in Iranian women of their value and their worth that, mm. that won't be squashed. That is... Um cause for rejoice. And I just think beautiful. And I I have noticed on social media so much, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, so many comments to the effect of if we only had the courage or the bravery or the boldness of women in Iran right now. And I have absolutely um, looked up to the women that I'm seeing in the headlines. Um, Even the rock climber. We don't need to get into that story right now because that's going to be a tangent, but I'll link in the show notes, just the story of the rock climber who Mm -hmm. recently returned to Iran. Just the boldness, the courage, the bravery. And in fact, in my church right now, we're going, we're, we're taking a deep dive into the book of Esther in the old Testament. And I think of Esther's words, if I perish, I perish. And it seems like that is somewhat the cry of women in Iran right now. Like if I perish, I perish, but I will, I will fight for freedom and for hope for myself and my children. And it's, it's beautiful. It's noteworthy. Um, It's, it's discipling us as we look to them and are shaped by their example. Okay. The plight of women in Iran, this feels very overwhelming to me. And I'm sure it does to our listeners as well. Our hearts break but it's hard to know what to do. I mean, here I am in a suburban home in the middle of Colorado. How can I be part of the solution? How can I be an encouragement to Iranian women? I have a few things of what a listener does not need to do. Okay, great. <laughs> Start there. So you'll see a lot of people cutting their hair on, on the news, on social media, and, and there might be a place for that, but... Um, but it doesn't have to be. I've also had comments from friends of mine who said they only wanted to help us if we were if we were well on our way to becoming Christians or if we were Christians. I don't think that's our calling as people of God to only help people who are Christians or on their way to Christians, but but for the sake of humanity, mm-hmm. for God's love for for the people of the world, this is this is why we care because God loves them. I would encourage people to look in their own communities, um, to Google their city and Google Iranians in their city and see if there are protests planned in their city or um, see if there's a community associate 
Association of Iranians in their city or an Iranian church in their city and um, to reach out to them and to say, hey, we've been seeing in the news what's been going on um, and we care and we're praying and we want to understand understanding the history of Americans with Iran, I think goes a long way as we enter in because um, Americans have shifted history in Iran, not necessarily for good. And so we as Americans want to tread with humility and we want, we want to learn from them. We want to hear from them. Um, what do they want? And, and how can we, how can we stand by them as, as, Iranians in our community are suffering and watching and and grieving. I think there's a lot there's a lot of room for us to pray. Um, as we said already, Iran has the fastest growing church in the world today. So we do have a lot of brothers and sisters in Iran facing this. Um, would we pray that the church in Iran would walk with faithfulness in these times? Would we pray that they would stand firm in their faith? Um, that God would give them more opportunities to testify of the hope that they profess and that they would know God as their constant companion and protector and provider. You've touched on some important things of, of knowing history, knowing current headlines, knowing our, our past relationship with Iran, knowing about the church in Iran, um, connecting to Iranians in our own community. I think that's huge, just knowing more. Um, being exposed to different cultures and by proximity, understanding um, their plight and their place and also the many things they can teach us and show us in terms of boldness and courage and bravery. And of course, prayer. Absolutely. Um, I will definitely link in the show notes a variety of options, websites, places people can go to learn more, to do more, to pray more. Um, But your personal stories are really invaluable, Lori, and just hearing about how you have connected with Iranian women and marched with them and loved them and held them and prayed with them and been in awe of them. Um, Just these, the relationships that you had and that God has providentially ordained for you to have throughout your whole life. So remarkable. I love to close just more on, on a gospel note, you know, every episode of all things feels so overwhelming to me. (laughs) And I think it's so crucial that we come back to remembering who our God is and what he's like and what he's done. So can you close us out with just a, a recenteredness on the gospel and who God is and why we have hope even in the midst of heavy news? Uh, we worship a God who, who is Emmanuel, God with us, um, who is near to the brokenhearted. He said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Um, we are part of a broader church that part of our calling is to grieve with those who grieve and rejoice with those who rejoice. And we are told too, that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Um, we know the end of the story. We know that God sees, we know that God hears our cries Um, hears our prayers and answers. And we know that he cherishes the tears that we shed. He cherishes our prayers um, and even the blood that is shed, that those three things are are cherished and Mm. and held by him. 
Um, and we know that our enemy is not flesh and blood. So we crowd to God to move, to move, to hear, to act, to deliver. Um, and we get to watch, watch with him with hope and wait for either that final day or before then um, when our brothers and sisters in Iran are, are able to dance on the streets and are able to worship and are able to gather um, and that we will be able to sit with them and break bread with them. Yes, we do have a lot to look forward to, Lord willing, sooner rather than later. But as you have said, we know how this story ends and we do have many reasons to hope. Lori, thank you for helping us know better what's happening in Iran. And um, thank you for your faithfulness to the global church. And my prayer for myself and the listeners is that we too would dive in in faithfulness and in prayer. So thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.